بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الحمد للہ رب العالمین وسلاۃ وسلام علیہ رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ویلکم آڈینس ٹو ٹوکنگ دین پوڈ کاسٹ نمبر تھرٹین آئی ایم یو ہوس ماجد اینڈ ٹوڈے آف مائی کو ہوسٹ بردر رش اینڈ آر اسپیشل گیسٹ بردر عشتی السلام علیکم السلام علیکم ہاز گوئنگ بردرز الحمد للہ ریئلی گڈ یو لائک ان دا ڈیکو ایم لائک ان اے ویری مچ بیوٹیفل You must have destroyed the last studio, which is why we're in a different <laughs> one again. Yeah, subhanAllah. You know, it was the, the, the last episode was, was on fire, literally. So, uh, inshallah. But, you know, we're going to chop, cha- uh, chop and change and inshallah, you know, uh, keep our audience, um, especially those who are watching, uh, keep them guessing. Yeah. But okay, inshallah. So, today's topic is an interesting one. Okay, and, and uh, when I actually thought about this topic was uh, when... came across you know there's a boxing match that's going to happen between KSI and a guy called Logan Paul now I'm a, a boxing enthusiast I like I like boxing so when you see something like this it's like you know, it's a bit of a joke from my point of view but what we have to understand is is why these guys have so much following and the fact that almost a million people actually streamed their press conference is because that these people are seen as role models okay because they're youtubers and we know that youtubers are are, are big at the moment yeah whether it's you know uh, uh pewdiepie pewdiepie yeah yeah okay. he's most famous okay never heard of pewdiepie um i've heard of heard of porcupine <laughs> but, uh, but there's also like uh, uh, ryan's toy story yeah, and stuff yeah. like this but anyway so what we want to do today your kids will tell you who are popular that's the thing the kids just yeah and they always drop some names you like we'll go on here but that's why you have a lot of kids even streaming into yeah, and, and yeah, it's yeah, bad absolutely. because <clears throat> these guys are going to be effing and blind i didn't watch it mm. but they will be doing that and a lot of youngsters are going to be interested but that's the point isn't it and that's what they've noticed it's a lot of youngsters in these audiences if you watch mm. boxing matches it's 25 year olds 30 year olds but yeah. ksi and logan paul who is it 16 year olds yeah, yeah, 15 yeah, yeah, year olds yeah. it's that new generation it's that new interest And that's why it's really, really important. Yeah, so, so that's why, you know, me and Rash were uh, strategizing and planning what we're going to do today. And what we thought is we want to speak about role models. Because this is something which is really important. Uh, because at the end of the day, you've got to understand that uh, these Muslims are not immune to these types of role models. So some of which we need to speak about because it directly affects the Ummah. And like Ishi made the point there, it's affecting the younger generation. And the younger generation are actually... far more important and and actually more vulnerable to these type of ideas so inshallah let's let's make a start first first question i have then for you guys okay is why do you think society needs role models you know without getting too philosophical without getting too like philosophical is what's important to understand is as human beings yeah allah created us mm. in our fitra with the need to reverse something to revere something yeah. that like reverence instinct this you know the religiosity instinct and i know it's getting quite deep straight away but just very quickly it's just this idea as human beings we look up to things yeah and naturally as muslims we go we that causes us to aspire towards finding the truth satisfying our instinct so that you know we come to the conclusion that there's a creator but actually that reverence instinct can manifest in lots of ways 
Yeah, and you know what sometimes happens, it's natural, especially the younger you are, is to look up to people. In the same way as, you know, when we're really small, we look up to our parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we get older and we look up to, if we have like siblings, we might look up to them. Or we might look up to someone on the TV. It, that is a natural state of affairs. So that's why in any society, there are role models that normally get promoted or are, are doing something that people are interested in. So the yeah. thing is, you, you get those role models and it's natural for any human being, be it young or old, to almost kind of look up to someone. And, and that has an effect on society. I think, like you say, in the question as well you're asking is that those role models actually have a massive impact on people's thinking in those societies. So, so what sort of, uh, what's the difference? What, what, what's the, what I say, what, what would be the result in a society where, you know, what result does good role models produce mm. and what sort of results do bad role models produce in a society what i would say to you is i remember being asked this exact question when i was 16 year old actually 15 year old when i was a, a, ch- a, a child and they was you know saying what do you who's your role model who do you look up to and the question they're really asking me is who do you want to be who do you want to aim to be who do you want to emulate and they want you to find out about this person and see what led them up that path mm. And the whole point of a role model is to have the ideal. So you work up to something. So you copy the actions, you emulate them, and you almost fast track yourself to success. And it's what they view as success. And that's the whole purpose of, of that role model. And so you get, you get that thing, don't you? Because like at schools are trying to teach you one type of role mm. model because mm. they're trying to show you, you know, like someone who might uh, like scientists and you know people who have had an effect on history and all of these. So schools are trying to give you like the academic side, but then obviously in your personal life, your role models are like you know your football players mm. or your kind of people on television, your celebrities. So actually, you're almost getting pulled in a couple of different directions from a very young age. So you know, like. Uh, I think Ishi made a point earlier, and it's true that for children, re- initially their role, their first role models are their parents. Mm. You know, and what you see is that you know they aspire. You know, if uh, you know, you might have someone whatever profession they're doing. Obviously, you know, if uh, they want their children to excel, yeah. But sometimes, if you if you ask them what do you want to be, they'll say I want to be so and so because their father is a so and so because yeah. that's they see them as. The, the benchmark and also you'll see with children whenever they do something they always want to you know that's why they come to their parents you know uh, have a look at this have a look at that because they want their parents to endorse it but yeah that's really yeah. nice or and even like why are you doing this oh because so and so does it or because that guy on telly is doing it so there's like the the role model provides like a justification for the child to say I want to do that because all of my friends are doing it so there's always that no, but initially of, it's parents yeah. but what would you think about popular culture this Where is, does popular culture play in This is what I was going to mention because, you know, I was thinking about this on the way here. You know, at the end of the day, right, this society, it's goal-driven, it's target-driven, and the role models and the people who have status, they call it celebrity status, yeah. are the ones who have achieved those goals, the, the, the goals that society wants. What is this society all about? Material things, wealth and all that kind of stuff. So when people look up to be, uh, to role models, what are these people have? What do they all have in common? They're really rich. They've got a lot of material wealth. They maybe got there really quickly. Really quickly. Especially YouTubers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But mm. think about the old one. What was the old uh, role models? Forbes 100 list. Top 100 uh, rich celebrities. Richest people. Richest yeah. people. There's, there's been throughout time. But it's someone to aspire to. And this 
It's really important because it's society. So you have your home role model, your mom, your dad, and they give you the qualities. But in the outside world, it's society who provides those role models. And it says, these are the options you have. When I go back to that 15-year-old, I, I didn't know who to an uh, what, what to answer because I used to play a lot of video games and I wasn't going to aspire to be Echo the Dolphin. Did you say so uh, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog? The Sonic the Hedgehog. But the funny thing is, if you speak to a kid nowadays, yeah. speak to your cousins and your nephews and whatnot, and they'll all say, oh, I want to be, not all, Messi. Okay, I want to be either well, a football player, I want to be, be Ronaldo, Messi or whatever, or I want to be a YouTuber. Because I want to be able to, because, and again, you don't blame them because that's the society that they're being brought in. This is not a why do you want to aspire to be a YouTuber, but the idea is if they're seeing other kids are able to not really need to do this like nine to five job that their parents are doing. Mm. And actually in our society, maybe parents doing around the clock, you know, if you're if your dad's doing like taxis and stuff like that, sometimes what happens, or even working in a restaurant, then you sometimes don't even see your parents or you don't see mm. your dad yeah, most yeah, of the time. Yeah. Old, so school, old school, old like school, that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so you might even aspire to thinking, well, I don't want to be like that where I'm not going to see my of children. Course, yeah, yeah. So I want to do this job, which means minimizing the number of hours I might need to do, maximizing kind of financially and then being able to spend time with my family not saying the kids necessarily think that deeply but all i'm saying is that someone could justify it like that if you well, argue you, against it you know it. when uh, you, you mentioned in schools the sort of uh, role models that are, are pushed are your einsteins mm. and mm. and your um gandhi's and gandhi and, well, and, 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 okay. and nightingale but what, what my point yeah. is or what my question is is where does popular culture come from then if we're saying that the schools are providing this, so popular culture, who is uh, who is deciding what's popular culture? You understand? Because from what you from what I can see, is children are more or forget children, humans are more influenced in society yeah. than they are in their schools. Yeah. So where does popular culture emanate from? You know the way I look at it is popular culture, especially nowadays. It's quite an interesting question, really, because popular culture nowadays is pushed more because of like the manifestation of the creed, the natural creed that we, are, we live in. Because we're in a capitalist society mm. built on concepts such as freedoms. These societies have now been around for a while. You know, they went through difficult times earlier doors. But now, you know, kind of the times when there was the world wars around, mm. you know, people were struggling, food, all of these things. We've, they've now progressed to a level, and progress is probably the wrong word to use, but they've now got to this level where freedoms have allowed them to almost express themselves even more. So there's now so many different fields of entertainment, mm. celebrity culture, you know, different... You know, imagine when we were younger, there was what... Four or five channels on TV. Yeah, now you've got a four, thousand bro. four. Four. Yeah. Okay. When the fifth one came, it was like, wow, we got wow, channel man, five. Have, yeah. have we reached uh, salvation now? You and know what now, mean? like thousands of channels. I forget channels. Now there's Netflix, and I know we talked a bit about yeah. it last time, so I won't go into too much now. But now there's so much yeah. kind of avenue towards getting kind of that satisfaction and that gratification that I think popular culture has just exploded. And I think the people that steer it, some of it might be organic. Because some of it might be, you know, what kids into, so football and, what, you know, computer games. These two things, or sport and computer games, are massive, yeah? But also, there are kind of steering of people towards busying themselves in entertainment, also from the elites. So, this is know, something that I don't think people always appreciate. I've got a question for you, Ishi. 
you know, if uh, and we are saying that popular culture emanates from the ideology, the prevailing ideology, Obviously, right? Yeah. And certainly in the West, we see the ideology is built on secularism. Mm. Okay, uh, you're separating uh, the the creator from man's affairs. Okay. Yeah, in society certainly, and we see from this we have the freedoms. Okay, and uh, you know, so if we see that this is the the and Rush did touch upon it, we see that this is the type of environment people are living in now. So obviously, the role models that this ideology is going to be promoting is going to be in line with, with, with this. Okay. So in uh, in current times, what do you think? What sort of role models do you think? And I know Rush touched upon it about, about football and stuff like that. But linked to the ideology, what do you think is being promoted as as role models? Because yes, yeah, sportsmen will be role models, mm. but sportsmen have always been role models to a certain degree. But in regards to pushing that concept of freedom and stuff like this. What sort of role models do you think they're pushing now? You know, I, I, we obviously mentioned this a few days back that we were going to have this discussion. So what I decided to do was take a slightly different turn on this. So I asked my sisters, who are the role models that are pushing to females? Because yeah. they are sort of, and you know what she said? She goes, go from, from your workplace, when you come back from your workplace and walk and see how many adverts there are for women. Mm. She goes, we're bombarded with this. I just want to go back on to uh, Rasha's point. You know, this society is a godless society. They don't believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of God has any role in this society. So you might as well make the most of it whilst you can. Enjoy yourself, get as much as possible. I don't know if you remember that 50 cents album, Get Rich or Die Trying. It's that attitude. And what they do is they show you ways how you can be that person. So there's adverts. You could be like David Beckham if you wear his, uh, you know, those boxes. You can be like him and you can have all the ladies. And these are the material stuff because this is what all uh, the society You're pushes. Bombarded with it. Ladies do like wear less to get further in life. Unfortunately, I, I know that's a bit uh, horrible to face, mm. but that is the way society is pushed. You know, the, the ideal is beauties, uh, be beauties rather than be brains. Rather than, otherwise, where are you going to get? You're just going to be that frumpy old woman in the office. And that is how society is attacking its own people. It's saying, this is what you want to be. This is how you're going to get to where you want to get to. Okay. Do you know what it is? That's, I mean, that's a sick point because you know the, like, this idea of commercialism, yeah. you know, commercialization yeah. has actually bred this level of freedom that has no boundaries. That's what the godless society gives you because like you say, there's nothing wrong with making, you know, selling your product and, you know, having to promote your product, marketing your product. Mm-hmm. But you can go to an extreme where because there's no accountability to how you promote it, now it's all about how do I maximize my profits? Whether that means I have to bombard five-year-old kids with things that normally you wouldn't even think about, but because it's going to increase your sales, all of a sudden it's acceptable in but this society. But on top of that, these people, once they get to that position, what do they do? They start talking about the issues of the society. Now it's the LGBTQ. I don't know if there's a plus now or something as well. Trust me, you can add as many letters so as you there's, like. So Bro, there's all, soon there's, oh, the whole alphabet is going to be added to that, man. Exactly. So the point is, I remember like people like that Lady Gaga. I don't know if she's still relevant. I'm a bit out of touch with uh, what's going on listen, right in modern you know, times. You know you listen to all these tracks, right? So <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about 50 Cent. <laughs> 50 Cent, Lady Gaga. I'm sure you can give some more examples throughout this podcast. Well, I don't know yet. But anyway, the, the point is this, right? They talk about women's issues. They talk mm. about LGBT and they bring it about. Mm. And you know, when mm. you think about it, not only are they pushing the ideals of this godless society, they're pushing these issues. I remember back in the day, 
there was uh, on EastEnders, oh, uh, come back to that point again, what was there, the first Muslim gay on yeah, TV? Yeah, 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 yeah. Think about that. Now that's become a discussion in your house. First it was outside, it wasn't your issue, but now it's come to your house to spark that debate. What do you think about it? So, so with role models and currently, mm. if you can give some, some sort of names, because in this godless society, as, as you guys have, have termed it, it's quite hardcore, but it is the truth, right? Who are the role models? I mean, you know, even historically, think about it. The, think about, just say Britain. Because obviously when we're talking about this society, we're talking about the Western world in a sense, right? But let's just say use Britain. So for Britain, you have, for example, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill is seen as a hero, right? But the reality is this guy was a mass murderer. Exactly. Yeah, this guy was a, you know, he was anti-Islam. Actually, he was a racist, mm. you know? But but this guy is being and 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 if you if you watched the interviews between the Scottish lad and uh, Piers Morgan, Morgan yeah. you know it's almost like blasphemy to pinpoint the ills and negatives about this guy. You know, so when they promote him, when they'll promote him as a role model, but in the military sense, i.e., to encourage people to join their militaries so that they and go and invade other lands. In reality, what other what would we say are other examples of current role models being pushed? I want names. So think about it, right? Going back to songs now, I don't know why I've gone down this avenue, that Beyonce had that independent woman song, so that she's pushing that kind of stuff. Kim Kardashian, I don't even know what she does, but I hear her name all the time. But she's like always pushing stuff. So but you know, you're giving ideas. these examples from what I've noticed from the youngsters. Yeah. You know, you said, if you want to know, right now, things like, Ninja, Ninja, the guy yeah. who plays Fortnite. Fortnite. Yeah. He won three million. This this guy, yeah, and 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 your uh, Paul, what's the guy's Logan name? Paul. Logan Paul. Pro prankster, you can do it at and, home. And and even you know these are the sort of things I think now are being are being pushed. And I think Rash mentioned it earlier. He certainly mentioned to me maybe as another setting is one thing that these guys push as uh, as ideas concepts. No matter who they are, a they push you should be free. To do what you want to do. Yes. Also they push that you can be however you are and people will accept you. Because remember that guy got in trouble when uh, he went into this jungle and someone committed suicide. And it was the same guy, wasn't Logan it? Logan Paul. Is that the same guy, Logan yeah? Logan Paul. Logan Paul, right? Also what they show is this is how you want to get rich, quick time, just messing about. Mm. Exactly. So I think, I think YouTubers are having a big effect on, uh, on as role models right now. I'll tell you something really uh, interesting, right? You know, we were talking about all these rights and sort of stuff. You know, there's that, obviously there's a new trend of makeup artists and makeup like beauty and something you can do at home. One of the biggest beauty sort of bloggers, I was speaking to people at work, is actually a transgender yeah. person called Jeffrey or Jaffrey or something like that. And so he's promoting those ideas and all that kind of stuff. So not only are they doing that, they're actually coming into the youngster's house and saying, you can be this and you can look great and beautiful and you can achieve so much and be accepted. So there is that message. So, you know, so uh, I'm straight with you. I'm getting a bit sorry. worried about you, you know, what, you know some of the examples you gave. Because I'm thinking, I'm thinking Messi, I'm thinking Ronaldo, I'm thinking gamers and... And some Listen. of the examples you gave, bro. Actually, I'm just worried whether you're being influenced by these role models. Listen, not. you know, the thing is, I've got nephews and nieces, and this is what they talk about. Allah, really? And you know, at the end but of the day, like this, uh, what was this the thing yesterday? Yeah. Someone shared this, uh, on audio mm. of what it was: is this child had come home from school, yeah, hadn't even bad. gone home yet, that was went bad. straight to the mosque, and she was telling her ustad, and she was telling the ustad that, oh, today at school, I, I was asked first of all 
do I feel like a boy or a girl or am I not sure? And how old was she? I think she was nine. And then she, was in, she had to do a survey, basically. And she was asked that question first. And she said, I felt really uncomfortable because I know I'm a girl, but why should I have to answer this strange question? Then the second question was something like, are you happy with your body? This is eight, nine-year-old. And this is a school in London. And this was like a few days ago. And then there were some other questions, I think, and it was all about kind of making children feel insecure. Even if, for instance, they've never asked that question or thought about it, all of a sudden, someone putting that, you're, someone who's in that position of influence and authority over you, your teacher, mm. giving you something, posing questions to you that all of a sudden you have to think about, what kind of society and, is that and creating? And remember, teachers, people look up to them. Exactly. exactly. If someone asked me, if I was at school, are you happy with your body? I said, no. I want to know like Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> You know what I mean But obviously Right now What they're trying to do Because remember at the same time They're promoting the 100 genders 100 genders yeah. Okay moving on moving. Let's move on now right Because otherwise I'm uh, going to get some more Freaky uh, examples by Ishti <laughs> Obviously well, no, It's worth talking about The footballer type example Because that's quite relevant Recently isn't it Because yeah. even though I don't want to talk too much About Mo Salah No no I'm going to go on to that Love him as a brother Being a United fan It's a bit hard to speak about No but I'm going to go on to that I'm going to go The reason why What I'm saying now Is For Muslims Mm. um, Even though we live In the same societies But I personally think You know for example These these drag queens And stuff like that Being shown as role models I don't think they can To a certain degree Infiltrate The younger Muslim youth Because we have certain principles That we get from home right Of course But what do we think? Who are the role models for Muslims uh, that we see being promoted? And now, now you can make your point because I was going to jump in there and say, "No, no, no, bro, I'm not as into like MMA and stuff like that." So you can give the examples of Khabib and stuff like that, and it's worth talking about him definitely for a few other reasons. But yeah, so the ones I'm seeing a lot of, again, being around guys and stuff like that, is that they talk about Mo Salah. Pogba. Quite a lot of Pogba Obviously a lot of videos Of when he was at Hajj Was being shared With Mo Salah And Sadio Mane mm-hmm. So talking about Liverpool players Is a bit hard for me But <laughs> But yeah So some of these players Alhamdulillah What it is This is where I think The issue is Is that These are people Who are naturally Role models Because they're in a, a Business or in a, a sport That people look up to As Muslims We are yearning For role models In the public space yeah, because look, when we go to schools and stuff like that, we, we know that we're Muslim at the end of the day. To know that there's someone who's a footballer who's Muslim who then has a personal life similar to ours, where they go to Jummah, where they go to pray, where they say Alhamdulillah, and all of these type of things, that naturally feels good to us. So we're yearning for them. But my question has always been: Is that are they put, do they themselves put themselves on a pedestal and say, I want to be an Islamic role model? Or is it just that they're trying to practice their deen as best as they can being in that type of industry? It's, I think it's us who put them on that pedestal and make them role models. And I think the where that becomes problematic mm-hmm. is because all of a sudden, they might not want to be Islamic role models themselves. They just want to get on with what when you they say do. Ro- when you say role models as well, mm. also I'd say, you know, I'd say heroes. Yeah, heroes. No, it's similar, isn't yeah, it? Similar. So as, as young kids, you're going to go, okay, obviously I look up to Pogba, I look up to... And because, again, they p- show an element of Islam in their day-to-day life, and that feels good for us. But at the same time, then, because of... That where they are and the industry and all of these things. Say, for instance, Khabib, when, the, when he then turns up shaking hands with Vladimir Putin or being I with... I think the Khabib one will, will come to that because okay. I think that's a right. spicy topic because, you know, 
uh, we have to explain ourselves properly because okay. a lot of people are on that bandwagon. But what I would say is about these football examples you gave, I think mm. you bang on, bro. In a sense, like these guys, mm. you know, obviously, Brother Ishti is a you know engineer, you know, um, and you're some uh, director somewhere. Right? <laughs> Not <laughs> okay. quite. I don't know what you do, bro. We hardly ever talk yeah. about work. This just goes to prove what we, we know, know we're talking work, about. Yeah. But the, the point is, is that you are Muslim and you're that. So, you know, these guys like Mosul and Sarimani, they've come from Muslim lands. Okay, they've yeah. come from Muslim yeah. because because you also get Muslim footballers who were like uh, Algerians, mm. but they were brought up in France and stuff, mm. right? But you see difference between people from Egypt and, and these places. Why? Because you know they've come from an, a, a land where praying Salah is very normal, being good, feeding the poor. These are normal things now. So these guys are just footballers by profession, but they're nice people. Yeah, so what tends to happen is that. You know, when if, when I see a clip of uh, Sadio Mane, you know, uh, cleaning the the the, the voodoo area of a masjid, right? Yes. You know, to, you know, I guarantee you know to him, he's just doing something for the sake of Allah Subhanahu He's not even thought about it, right? But the video goes viral. Why? Because Muslims are also looking for these type of uh, role models. Like, yeah, look, this guy's a good footballer, but you know, he's Muslim as well, right? I think there's a lot of pressure on yeah, these yeah. guys because these guys are just normal people. They just want to go about their business, play their football what they like, earn the money, yeah. the, you know. But I think the, what we, the point you made was fantastic. I think we elevate them uh, to that stage. Mm. And, and now I think it's a good point to bring in Habib. Because you know uh, Habib, you know, this is, he, this is someone because of the bullshit guy. You know, the, <laughs> actually, you know, McGregor, McGregor the bullshit the guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Habib, if you think about it, you know, you know, had McGregor mm. not made all these uh, derogatory terms against yeah. Islam, Islam yeah. right? You probably, Habib would probably not have got the same following mm. he has because when this guy was making all these comments, normal people were like, oh, I want this guy's head smashed in, yes. right? You know, and so now when Habib is coming on, and again, Habib, he's a Muslim. He's grown up in an uh, Islamically uh, uh, Islamic area. He's Subhanallah. His his family are, are religious. You can see this from his, his background. They all pray and they got beards and you know the names are like Islam this and Islam that. You know you can't get away from this, right? Mm. So now you know he's just in the MMA for uh, MMA business. He's just in the MMA business. So when he's saying Alhamdulillah and he's saying Inshallah and these things and you know and then on the, on the other side you got a guy who's insulting him. Mm. The reality is, is that the reason why his stock has, has risen because of the McGregor thing is probably again injustice on him because it became a Islam and Kufr thing. Yes. That's the point. It became a Islam and Kufr thing. This guy's been on the scene for a while. Mm. I've followed this guy for, for this guy for a while. Obviously because he's Muslim. But because for a while. But to the average person, why this guy's big now is because people saw it as an Islam Kufr thing. When they saw the battle between him and McGregor, you know, they, it was like as if this is going to be uh, written in history next to Badr and Uhud. They <laughs> elevated to this. No, I'm being serious. I'm being serious. So now there's all this pressure on this guy. Mm. And Alhamdulillah, he seems like a good guy. But what, where people get confused now is what Rash mentioned mm. is when you see him shaking hands with Vladimir Putin. Mm. When you see him, you know, uh, with the leaders of the Emirates, the UAE. This is where the confusion lies because now you're thinking there are some people that are are, are going to oversee this, mm. but there are other people who are Islamically more Islamically inclined. They're more aware about what's in the Ummah. They're thinking, wait, 
you know, this guy, we elevated him to a certain degree, but now he's shaking yeah. hands with the guy who's killing, who's killing Muslims in Syria. There's a confusion, yeah. right? So, you know, on that note, the issue of Habib is something which we want to talk about it from an Islamic point of view, not from an athlete point of view, and not from a personal point of view from him. He never, he never brought politics into it. Exactly. He never brought politics into it. So that's why I think it's an injustice, the same way as Saudi Mane and Salah, that we've actually elevated him mm. to a stage. Why? Because we are looking for role models, we look for heroes. It's like uh, Rash at the start of this discussion mentioned, there's that need to revere someone. And you know, Muslims have for many, many years been deprived of this because we've been made out to be the bad guys. And finally, mm. we've got a few good heroes. Yeah. We're going to, of course, jump at the... Yeah. We're just going to be, you know, like, the, that's it, that's our guy now. Mm. And we're going to try and emulate yeah. him as much as possible. Uh, but unfortunately, with the role models that this society produces, there's always... It's almost like sweet and sour. Yeah. The sweet is the, the good thing. Oh, you should look after your parents. This is what uh, Habib said after his Poirier fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah subhanAllah. Yeah, you should always listen to him in that, that exuberance yeah. of youth. Yeah, you tend to forget them. Subhanallah. But that's what brought him success. So, you know, there's a really good flavor. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the Salah chants that the footballers had? If you, you score another, we'll, we'll go to mosque we'll and this thing. Muslim. Even we'll become Muslim and all that kind of stuff. And that elevated him. But what makes a good Muslim? Sometimes we forget that. It's the characteristics. It's that whole package. And the fact that you can shake a man's hand that killed is responsible for the death of so many Muslims and look up to him. Okay, so what my question is, is what, what is Islamically, what is a, a, a good role model Islamically now? We're talking about Islam in it. Yeah. What is Islamically, what do we look at? What qualities do we look at within a, a role model for somebody who actually ticks all the boxes Islamically? So, you know, I, th I think we have... Sorry to interrupt no, there, sorry, but um, so we have to go back to the brother's point about creed and what, what that brings, right? So obviously we have our deen and our deen tells us what is a good person, someone who does have good manners, who has good characteristics, but at the same time, he embodies the whole of the deen as well. So when it comes to shaking these people's hands, is he willing to do that? Is, is he someone who you should aspire to? Is he the one that's... Uh, addressing the issues of the people. Because what did the Prophet ﷺ say? You know, the, the scholars, you know, the leaders, the people that you should be looking up to, mm. they're the inheritors of the Prophet. So what you're saying is, is, is role models for Muslims uh, are, are scholars. Not just scholars, but scholars is a good role model. You know what model. it's worth mentioning? I was going to, if I, if I just finish for a moment, right? And what, is, what, you mentioned, what, what this is in, in line with is the people who take on his mission because he was on a mission. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he is not your uh, father, he's not your uh, brother, yeah. he's a prophet. Allah sent him on his mission. And the scholars are the ones who take that mission and lead it. Hmm. They're not someone who's just learnt from a book or from a university, they're the inheritors of his mission. And the best people, the best role models in our history and the ones that we should have today are the ones who uphold his mission who inherit his mission and continue that mission. And that is what Islamic scholar is. Sorry to uh, interrupt you there. Uh, it's, it's a really good point. If, I, if you don't mind, if I can just elaborate a little bit on it, the way I understand it is very much around the fact that, you know, it's, it comes back to the point about yearning for, mm. for role models, yeah? Because if you think about it, we know, you know, it, someone might say it might sound a little bit 
goes a bit boring in talking about po popular culture and stuff like this one minute, but we know our role model is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We know that he's our role model. But we live in this society and we said, and that's why I want to just elaborate, you said about the creed, isn't it? Mm. About we know that this society will breed role models based on its creed in the same way as when Islam was dominant, when Islam was implemented, when we saw Islam progressing, the dominant ideology, when it was Islam, the type of role models that it bred were the scientists and the, and the people who progressed Islam. So like your Salahuddin al-Ayubis, we still talk about them today, like, like Arturul, which is getting really popular now. So it was either those people who progressed the deen mm. or it was those people who personified the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the best. Yes, yeah, so that, when that creed is there, then naturally the role models that arrive from it are, are from that creed. And this is where, where I wanted to extend from that point was very much, we see a society today, truthfully, the Western world and this society, they don't have true role models. Mm. So what do they do? They either make people who shouldn't be role models, like your Churchills, like your Abraham Lincolns, who get allocated the the role of oh, okay he abolished slavery mm. but actually when anybody who does any more study into this will know what some of his white supremacist type views really were while he contributed to it a lot of what it was done there was many political reasons around it mm. there was many reasons he continued to believe that the white race was superior to the black race there was many reasons why slavery continued long after so what they do is they make those people role models because they take some good from it because it might have had some impact but actually what they end up doing is making role models them out you know random ones like making them up like you have your dc comics versus your marvel so now you've got all these role models that are like superheroes which no one can aspire to be because they're not real but look but people like superman what yeah. do they represent the american ideal ideal yeah exactly so these role models are either fabricated in order to let people aspire to something, or they're people that are, have abhorrent ideas, but were put up on a pedestal and are being promoted as role models. However, if you look at the Islamic creed, you see role models all over the place. Mm. Yet, when a child goes to school, they're not going to say necessarily, okay, alhamdulillah, it's getting better. But So the odd child might go, my, my role model is the Prophet Or a kid might go to school, he probably get latched on by prevent, where he might go, my role model is Arthurul, he, he spread Islam this far. Nowadays, you'd be almost a little bit like, oh, if you say that at school, mm. what's going to happen? Oh, Especially what? if you said Bumsi, then, then, oh, man. then, then it's going to be And like... if he brings in a clip when they're <laughs> getting their swords out and going, yeah. Aren't you going to say getting their spoons out? Oh, all their spoons <laughs> out, yeah. Alhamdulillah. So actually, all of a sudden, it's, it's, the, yeah. the signs are positive. This yeah. is not to paint a, like a really bad picture. The signs are positive. Um, but at the same time, it's very difficult for those children to go into that society and not say, oh, my role model is Muhammad Salah or it's Paul Pogba. Because the society is pushing them towards certain role models. Mm. Whereas if the dominant ideology or if the dominant kind of creed that was there was Islamic, naturally we would be saying, well, we have real role models and those are the ones we should aspire to. And then to finish my point is, I think that's where that naturally leads onto that the other side, other than those who progressed Islam kind of via jihad and fighting, it was the scholars. Mm. So we should talk about scholars because we look back and the people we talk about, 
when we talk about all of the different uh, madahibs, we talk about all of the different people who spread Islam, the, the people who came at times where Islam was struggling for whatever reason. Maybe it was because the hadith were, you know, being corrupted. So then you had your Bukhari's come along who said, you know, we need to, we need to do something about this. So those are really the role models and the people that we, we look up to when we become a bit more learned. So in regards to scholars, you know, what sort of... Um uh, what sort of qualities do we see in the scholars? And I think uh, Ishi made a fantastic point with the fact that they are the inheritors of the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What do they inherit? In fact, they inherit his mission. In fact, also you'd say, you might uh, agree, that they also inherit his struggle, his hardships, because the mission of the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is one where you will come across Problems. You will come across issues, and we see this, right? Um, so, some of the qualities we see are that. Also, maybe because uh, they always refer back to Quran and Sunnah, and the point you made was a fantastic point. Well, actually, both of you made it. Where it's when it's a creedal issue um, from Islam, the best are those, because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that the best are those. You know, in speech are those who. Uh, call, to, call to Islam Now even though every Muslim is a dawah carrier Really should be anyway should be, yeah. But the scholars hold that position don't they Because they make us understand They break down Islam for us They make it easy for us to understand They are our reference points Okay So we're talking about scholars We're talking about uh, role models Can I just now, add one point Very quick then And this is You know I mentioned You know like these uh, Westerners uh, Celebrities, they bring about that change, you know, like 50 cents, like Lady Gaga, all, all, yeah? all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Let's not go back to that. But what I was going to say is the, the people that we mentioned and referred to, yeah, they brought that change. You know, when Islam was in difficulty, I don't mean the deen of Islam, you know, when the Muslims were in difficulty, mm. they're the ones that made the difference. Mm. So maybe the ones that made scientific progress, they were going to progress the deen of Allah by their advances. The, yeah. one, the scholars, they came to address an issue, and these are our role models because they came to address the issues of society just like the celebrities and that's what makes them role models they made that difference even like people like abraham lincoln he's the one that emancipated the the slaves allegedly and that is the ideal of freedom and that's where it's all linked to that creed but they but the point is for us as muslims we want to see that change and that's what our role model should bring that change the thing is is all role models i think will bring about change but some will bring about good change and some will bring <laughs> about true. bad change. Look, we, yeah? can, we can talk about some of the examples where, and you already mentioned it about the scholars being the inheritors of mm -hmm. the Prophet. So we can talk about where Islam, in terms of the evidences, mm -hmm. has given us reasons with the, of the importance of scholars. But you know what? Sometimes it's dead easy to throw out lots of evidences. But you know, if people don't appreciate what that means and really embody that, then you, know, you almost look at the evidence and go, and you take it at face value and you move on. But you know what, to be fair, just to look at it rationally, you know, any type of revival of a society happens with ideas, yeah? So you, to revive a new yeah. society, to almost say this society has declined, I want to increase them, you do it by changing their ideas. You improve their ideas, you, you almost filter out the bad ideas and you leave the good ideas. How does that happen? 
It happens using dialogue. It happens where someone who understands, for example, someone who understands the deen better than anybody else, if they come along and they're good at explaining it, maybe they're very good at articulating it, maybe they've got a tone that you know you listen to and it warms your heart you know so if that person and these are scholars that i'm talking about if that scholar can come and say they understand the deen they're going to help revive the people such that the people kind of throw away the bad ideas and or even gravitate away from the bad role models and gravitate towards the good role models that's the duty of those people who have knowledge that's the duty of those people who can revive that society. And that's the scholar, the way I look at it. No, subhanAllah. I think that's, that's, that's bang on. So, okay, then, um, obviously we, talk, we, we gave examples in the past, well, not in the past as such, but earlier on about good role models, bad role models, etc., right? So what about the scholars today then? Because I think this is, a, you know, a, a, an issue because of the fact that, exactly from what Russia said there, because if these people are coming... They come with authority. They are articulate. Mm. They, you know, are good speakers, and you know, they move the emotions. And right, but what is their message? Mm. Because this could be actually work out as in the opposite direction. Because if somebody fits all those, those all the criteria, ticks the boxes of the appearance, the speech, the knowledge, but his message itself is somewhat uh, incorrect. You know, I think this is a problem. So let's let's take, you know the, the issue is is that you know uh, here obviously voice of the ummah you know it's not about uh, you know uh, picking on anyone but the truth is the truth and sometimes when people are in the firing line if they put themselves in the firing line then you have to uh, speak about them in person Definitely. why because you know you have to point out that you know, because of the responsibility they have and the influence to carry. So if you look at some examples and I, I, I want to cover today, okay, the first one would be Hamza Yusuf, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. And this the reason why is because we know there's some controversy that's happened in the last few weeks, okay, um, where there's state, there was a video that was released from a speech in Turkey where, you know, uh, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf was... Uh, uh, in a way, from what people perceived, was there's two elements to it. One was the fact that he was, uh, in a way, people saw it as ridiculing mm. the Syrian people, the plight of the Syrian people, because he was laughing and joking, you know, and saying like, "Look, where has this revolution got you?" Mm. Okay. Then there was the other angle where, which is actually probably more dangerous than that one, and I'll explain why. Where he's actually promoting. Can you just explain the what actually happened? That's what I'm doing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, in the video, he... Yeah, okay, the, in the video, basically, uh, what he was saying was that, uh, you know, the Syrian people, you know, because they uh, uh, rose up against Assad uh, or people like, uh, well, previously, people rose up against Saddam. Yeah. What he was saying is that, you know, where's your revolution got you? Yes. Look at, your, look at the situation you're in now. And he was, he was, he was saying this whilst he was laughing. And he, he used it in line with that hadith. Yeah, he used it, but I'll come to that hadith. Yeah. We'll okay. come to that hadith, bro. Chill. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> okay? So that was the first point. But the second point was the fact that he was using that hadith, which you can explain. He was, in a way, trying to say that, look, you shouldn't rise up against your leaders because there's a hikmah why they're there. They're there. Allah's put them there. And in fact, you know, if you do rise up, then this is what's going to happen. 
And even though he came out later on and he apologized, but in reality his apology really was more to do with, look, if I hurt your feelings, if I hurt anyone's feelings, I, that wasn't my intention. But his initial position, which was is the problem position um, of being in line uh, with the current dictators in that land, yes. you know, be having close relationship with the tyrants like MBZ of UAE, right? This he never changed his position. Okay, so this is um, so in regards to the hadith. If you want to just mention the hadith element, then because um, you know what, it's uh, sort of left my uh, my mind's gone blank on that. Okay, uh, okay, but okay, that's fine. You'll come to that. But now this is someone, Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. If you look at his material before nine eleven. You know, they say that he was probably, he's probably the most influential, certainly in the last 30, 40, 50 years. West's most influential scholar is what he was known as. Yeah, most influential scholar in the West. You know, where his firebrand type of attitude in the past before 9-11 against the rulers in the Muslim lands, even against capitalism. Mm. If you listen to his speech, he, he won a lot of hearts. People were, especially also the fact that he was a revert and etc, etc, yes. right? Um, so... This is where there's a, a dangerous element because now you have somebody who in fact is saying, you know, don't rise up, you shouldn't rise up, just 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 stick with it in a way that, you know, some people might argue he wasn't saying that, but in reality that's what he was saying because many scholars have even refuted his position, okay, people with knowledge. But now for all the people that follow him, where does this leave them? Where, and you know, you spoke about role models, especially scholars bring about change. Mm. If we follow that message, there's no change. There is no change. So how does that affect the the people? You know, just to start off, just one point to make about that is first and foremost, you know, scholars will make mistakes. They're human beings. Yes, we're human beings. We will make mistakes. Yeah. Scholars will make mistakes. No doubt. Yeah, and he came out and he apologized. Yeah. Okay. So scholars will make mistakes, and that's recognizable. And at the same time, if scholars do mis- make mistakes, we should be prepared to say they made a mistake. They apologize that we accept their of apology. Course. Like, exactly, yeah? Especially if someone has that kind of position of influence. But where we just have to be very, very careful is, you know, when certain scholars are associated to the establishment, and we, ha- we have evidences of where we are told that scholars should avoid being, you know, at the doorsteps of the leaders, for example. At the same time, when you have scholars, and I'm talking in general terms here, when you have scholars who are, you know, giving advice to governments who are the governments that are fighting the war on Islam. Yeah. When you have scholars that are involved in the projects like your CVE, Countering Violent Extremism, which we, is very, very pub- problematic mm. and which spawned like Prevent in the UK and even the people of America. So, for example, I've been listening to the Mad Mamluks podcast quite a bit recently. And one thing I was really actually quite surprised at and also quite pleased about is I, I was always I always saw the kind of the American audience as people who may have been a bit more naive to the to the political kind of space in terms of what's happening outside America. But actually what listening to some of those podcasts kind of seemed to get across to me was actually people do or are aware of the problematic nature of things like C V and how it impacts the UAE and Middle East and and even like Britain and other places. So I thought that was quite interesting. But this is where I think scholars that are affiliated or linked or advising or or over that period of time have those kind of links, basically. That's where people need to question. That's where you've even got the the position in the uh, human rights. Was it uh, 
He, the Trump, Trump, in the Trump administration. So basically, the Trump administration created a forum called the uh, the, the Commission for Unalienable Rights. So he's going to advise uh, Trump, the renowned Islamophobe. He hates Muslims. He came in and for one of the first things he did, he bought the Muslim travel ban. We might as well call it that. It was, it was, I know he named countries rather than saying Muslim, but it's to advise him on human rights. You know, the first one of the, he was the one and only Muslim representative to accept the war on terror when, uh, after 9-11. These are the people you're talking about. These ain't mistakes. They're choices. You know, you make it once, you make it twice, and then you come out and you say the mistakes. But these are creedal level. So, so, the, so level. I think the point, the point you're making there is you make mistakes, people make mistakes, but in fact, people might have a short memory about Sheikh Hamza Yusuf like from two weeks ago from yeah. what was being, being released. Yeah. But what Ishi's talking about there is all the way back from to 9-11 exactly. and the Bush administration, you know, uh, being there, singing the national anthem, being in the... Well, you know, know, this is why I wanted to give the framework. Yeah. Because if you understand the framework, then you can take whichever scholar yeah. it is and go, does it fit in that framework, isn't it? So you, like I said, the framework is about we should forgive. But at the same time, if you're in that framework where you're contributing to projects and strategies that are against Islam, then that's very problematic and you should realise that. But at the same time, the framework has to be that, you know, we're saying that Muslims need to instigate change. Like you, you made the point already, but just to elaborate on it, is Muslims need to make change. And if there are scholars or anybody who is almost maintaining the status quo, then how is that ever going to lead to change? And some of the points that and I've watched both, you know, his apology video and gone through the actual, the original video was from a few years ago. It wasn't recently. Yeah. Yeah, it was back 2016. And maybe even the person who cut the video and posted it had an agenda. So this is to say that, you know, sometimes people take things out of context. Fair enough. Yeah. Might have had an agenda. But, you know, if you look at all of that, you will realize that the message that is being promoted is the same message as his person who he aspires to, his teacher, Bin Bayer, is mm. promoting. Is the message of, you know, that you can't rebel against the leaders. Okay, and that message is quite dangerous because it's, there's an element of it. If you watch the videos, you'll see there's an element of it that you look at and you go, "There's, there's, there's." It's good the message in that what it's saying is, if you're not ready to suddenly revolt, it's going to cause bloodshed. Yeah, if the people are not ready and you don't have the security and you don't have the capability, then you should work towards building that capability. So in that respect, we understand that from the seerah, from the methodology of the Prophet ﷺ, we do need to go through that process of preparing people. But the problem is, that's not the conclusion that he derived from it. In the mm -hmm. same way as Bin Bayer and some of his projects and some of his institutes and things that he's doing and some of the funding that comes from the UAE, some of the things that have been written in the Rand Corporation where it's talking about moderate Islamic movements. The Rand Corporation actually wrote that what we should advise the Muslim lands is that they instigate these institutions that promote moderate Islam. And these institutions that were then created off the back of that are the institutions that are led by your likes of your, your Abdullah bin Bayer. And then those are the same ideas being promoted by Hamza Yusuf. Then at the same time, all of a sudden you look through all those videos and there's nothing there that he says clearly that, okay, prepare properly and then get rid of these tyrants. Don't just go out and do it and cause bloodshed. Instead it's, okay, 
maybe there was hikmah and the wisdom behind keeping all these tyrants above you. And then it is it's still an element of ridiculing the people who are trying to do something without yeah. appreciating that. You know, what they're going to be doing is very rewardable actions. I think the key point also you said is that, you know, you can't look up the, the actions of people like Sheikh Hamza Yusuf or Sheikh Bin Baya. You can't look at them uh, in isolation of the American plan for the region. How can it be, and I, and I know uh, Arash mentioned this in one of the earlier podcasts, that how can it be that, you know, you have the RAND Corporation, you have the Greater Middle East Initiative, and then you look at the actions of some of these scholars who are not people like me and you. We're not people, they're not people of the street. These people have understood Islam. They've studied it for many, many years. That's, how can it be that it's in line, exactly in line with, what's, with what America is trying to, trying to achieve? Let me give you some quotes quickly. Sorry to interrupt. Just from Rand Corbett. So this is what they say. Rand recommends that the United States concentrate on the partners, programs and regions where US support has the greatest likelihood of affecting the war of ideas underway in the Muslim world. Okay, and the war of ideas, what they're talking about is people who want political Islam, who want comprehensive implementation of Islam. That's what they're talking about. Then it says, Rand recommends opening channels of communication that will encourage the dissemination of modern and mainstream interpretations of Islam back in the Middle East from moderate Muslims elsewhere. So in other words, export or import in uh, moderate versions of Islam and do it using people who have your tongue, who can speak your language and institutes that we can then create this version of Islam in your lands, which is a moderate version of Islam, which isn't the version of Islam most Muslims want. You know How it. more blatant does that need to be? And this is, like I said previously, this then forms Western foreign policy. It forms US foreign policy and then that has a natural effect on foreign policy in other lands. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I was going to mention pretty much the same point a bit later on. But I think it's really, really important because, you know, you might look at several scholars. We've obviously mentioned Hamza Yusuf, right? And we've mentioned their history. But they're all individual scholars. But if you look at them all as a collective, right? See, I'll give you an example, right? Say there's a series of, say there's a football coach, right? And he's teaching these players. And he's showing them and there's progress, blah, blah, blah. After a couple of years, you'd accept them to be a cohesive team. What have the scholars been up to? We've gone further from Islam, what they've been teaching us. The, yet, if you look at the plan of the American and what the Rand corporations say, we've gone closer to that. So individually, their actions might be different. But as a collective, we're moving to, they're trying to move us towards that vision. And that's what they've been uh, working towards. I mean, one of the th things that they actually meant to mention clearly is to use young, moderate, religious scholars. Why scholars? Why young? You know, we have to focus on these things. Mm -hmm. So the young, it's easier to communicate with the young. You know, the previous generations, they're stuck in their way. That's who their aim is. Mm -hmm. That is what the audience is now. Moderate, it's not moderate in, in the sense that we understand. It's the, what they want to be moderate. Peaceful to the West mm -hmm. and harsh to the Islamic way of life. They want us to uh, reject Islam as it should be and accept democracy, secularism. Mm. And if you're not going to accept it, be tolerant to it and all that kind of stuff. So even like, you know, when you mentioned young, yeah. even the issue of the homegrown imams. Yeah. Exactly. Because, you know, even, you know, subhanAllah, you had some, you had some uncles who were like imams and stuff who came from India and Bangladesh or Pakistan, right? And 
these people, you know, they might not have been like uh, too much of a threat. But still, you know, the sort of traditional Islam they followed yeah. previously, that could influence yeah. the children in a way that's not correct. So the homegrown was, like you're saying, is actually from the beginning, they are built up to become these in these positions from the from the beginning. And this is why they create these institutes. It's, you're right about this. You, the age thing is important. The reason why they pr- create these institutes is because they recognize, even in the video, what did Hamza Yusuf actually say in his apology video? I'm turning 63 soon. I'm getting quite old now. I'm not going to be around for too long. He even compared it to, this is about the age that the Prophet Sallallahu passed away. So he's trying to say, look, um, I've done my work. There's institutes and stuff that he started because they recognize that these are games that need to carry on for a long time or these are projects that need to carry on for a long time so this is why youth is important because you need to get people Mm. who are going to continue this project okay so you know the 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 issue uh, of sheikh hams yusuf isn't just to highlight him no just to give the example you guys are speaking about scholars and just to raise up the issue of uh you know uh, what scholars should be doing Mm. And what they shouldn't be doing, and if they and if they're doing the things that they shouldn't be doing, yet they're in a position where they can influence people as a role model, we can see how dangerous that is. But I want to quickly move on to uh, 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 an imam, if you want to call it that. I don't think actually maybe a scholar, Allah alam, to somewhere closer to home. Okay, is uh, Dr. Musharraf and his the majestic Quran, because this Subhanallah, we can speak about. Sheikh Hamza Yusuf and Sheikh Bin Bayah and all these other sheikhs, right? The scholars, you know, and we do pray. We pray that that you know the Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, he can be such a huge asset to the Ummah if he reboots to be pre 9/11. So it's not an issue by the individual, okay? But with the issue to do with the majestic Quran and the issue to do with Dr. Musharraf is some of which you know uh, I think is important to highlight. Why? Because this is. This is a, a, a very uh, risky move from their part, high stakes. But what they're trying to push through the majestic Quran is something which is probably that even people like Sheikh Hamza and all the other scholars, even they weren't, they didn't have the courage uh, or the audacity, shall I say, to come out with. Just a quick word on a bit about Dr. Musharraf before we go into the yeah, details. Yeah, of course, of He's the director of an institute called Karamiya. Karimia, yeah. Karimia, 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 bro. You know. Oh, okay. Sorry. You gotta I come back, get back to your roots, man. You're, you're the Lady Gaga thing, and all that is getting to you too much. You gotta know where you <laughs> came from. It's Karimia, yeah. Okay. He was an advisor to the anti-Islamic Quilliam Foundation. Oof, renowned. He's also renowned for receiving a continued funding from PBE. So this is just a background. Pre- prevent. Type of prevent yep, yep. violent extremism that anti-islamic you say uh, continued like up until today even. he still receives okay. it you can okay. actually uh, check the account so this is the sort of characteristics of the person that we're talking about okay um he's famous for having a covenant with the armed forces so that you know muslim businesses 16 muslim businesses when it first opened employ people from the armed forces after wars in iraq and afghanistan etc okay and he's very uh, adept he's he wants to normalize relationships with disbelievers, like, you know, accepting other beliefs and not, you know, like Islam is just another belief. But also, he very famously visited Israel on the behest or on the invitation of the embassy uh, to the... the, uh, the one second, so my tablet doesn't fall. 
The Israeli embassy. Yeah. The Israeli embassy, yeah. uh, which absolutely angered, and rightfully so, every single Muslim who saw it, because that is Muslim land, and yeah. to shake hands with people yeah. who have occupied it is a slap in the face of every victim there. So may Allah open his eyes to his actions, because by standing there, he's standing as a Muslim leader who accepts this disgusting, abhorrent state. Subhanallah. Sorry, so bro, yeah. bro, to be honest with you, this is, is, his is, is, is there even any need to move to the majestic Quran? Because yes, there is. Because you know, look at it. Yeah. He has normalized relationships with the disbelievers. Yeah. He's so basically, so what you said is the majestic he's normalizing Quran. occupation. No, and that's the, fine. This I, is the cherry on the cake. I understand? Because he's going to try and pervert the word of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, so in a way, <laughs> what you're threat. saying, in a way, what you're saying is that the, the majestic Quran actually. If you can understand all these other actions that happened previously, you can probably see how it fits in even with those, the, the issue to do with the, uh, what do they call it, the, the beliefs, interfaith, 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 interfaith dialogue, yeah. you know, and, uh, and to be honest with you, before we get out of the Majestic Quran, you know, I've been there, I've had an audience with, uh, with Dr. Musharraf, uh, and I think even Rash was there, when basically uh, he, he was giving a speech and, you know, he dropped a bomb. And this bomb, even even his own supporters couldn't couldn't really back him over the time, right? Basically, he was there, and he goes, "Look," he said, "the Union Jack, yeah, the Union Jack, I, this, the English flag." He said, "It's part of my iman." Astaghfirullah, bro. Who says that? And you know, Subhanallah, there was an uproar. It went crazy. And you know what? Afterwards, even when we were speaking to his hardcore supporters on other issues, they were like, "No, no, listen, you probably under, but this issue." They went shy, they went quiet because how can one say this? But okay, let's move on a bit. Just Majestic Quran, so brother. I was, I'm from Nottingham, and to give you a bit of background, Dr. Musharraf has done some amazing community work mm. in Nottingham. Mashallah. The reason why he's got a very, very good reputation is because, and he continues to do good work. The Karimia Institute continue to help Syrian refugees. They continue to be involved in projects. They do lots of good projects where Muslims get together, be it for sisters, you know, whether it's health projects. So there's, there, he's actually involved in a lot of good work. So... To completely dis disregard all of that would be unfair. I like that. I like yeah. this. Yeah. I like this. Yeah. You, <laughs> okay. You got to do this. I think, that, like you said, sometimes you know, if you, we no. can always point out the bad elements, but like you no, said, you have to fair. point you out the good fair. things. You have yeah. to be fair. Exactly. So he's done lots of good work. Yeah. So and he's built that credibility. Alhamdulillah. Exactly. But that, this was the reason for painting the framework. Was the framework is important because, like when someone Ill kind of errs once and then apologizes, you give them the benefit of the doubt. That's what we as Muslims should be doing. Hundred percent. But actually. There, is, there are too many problematic elements. After all of that good work that's been done, mm. you mentioned the, the Union Jack issue. You mentioned all, all the visit to, to Jerusalem, yeah, to, to Al-Quds. Yeah, you, you mentioned those things. But you know, you say go back to the, the Quran. You know, this issue initially, like I said, it exploded on social media mainly. And to be fair, there were some things in social media that was even put that were, you know, there was fake things being put out there. So the people who were supporting him were able to say, well, this, I think there was like a, an agenda or an itinerary or something posted saying, this is where Dr. Musharraf was lambasted by his own people. And he agreed, he apologized and things like that. And it was shared around. And later it was found that actually someone had made, even though some of that actually happened, 
but the whoever put it together put it together almost it seemed out of spite but i saw a video i saw a video so that video. came later okay. so again so there was because there's all of this stuff going on a part of me was questioning that okay i know about these things that have previously come about and that's why i have serious reservations about this person even knowing all the good work that he's done i had serious reservations but then when then most recently i thought okay let's do a little bit more research let's actually look not just at documents that have been passed around which are like you know almost someone has said this is the translation that dr musharraf in the majestic quran has put and therefore this is where it's wrong i said actually let, okay put that aside let's look at the majestic quran in its book form just make sure there's no chance that someone has just tried to kind of use their agenda to attack him yeah could yeah? be okay so then you look at the quran itself and then you look at the translation that Dr. Musharraf gives and actually it's very, very, very problematic. It's, it's outright. You know, he said, I think he came out in his apology video going that there is no kufr in this. But you know what? People need to look at this because there are examples, first and foremost, first and foremost, the translations themselves we'll talk about are, are, are incorrect. And secondly, for some reason, until recently, people haven't been referring to some of the headings given to some of the sections. So, for so just, just, the just translations, to... so there's the, the ayah where Allah is telling us that he has perfected our deen, and he's telling that Islam is the only correct path. Islam is the only correct path. Dr. Mushar today Musharraf... I have perfected your deen, and I have... Um... Today I've perfected your deen and I've chosen Islam um, yeah. as the correct as way. The correct yeah? way yeah. So he has translated that without putting the word Islam in there okay. as just being sub a way that is submitting to Allah. All of a sudden, what does that do? That normalizes other religions hmm. without saying that Islam is the correct path. But I've never heard that before. That's, that, that's, that's crazy. So that's the first one. That's one translation. That's, okay. uh, that's one area. Then in another place where it's talking about, you know, that Allah knows that there are some things that we might think is bad, but it's good for us. Mm. And there's other things that we might think is good that is bad for us. Yes, yes. And it's talking about like fighting in the way of Allah. That's right. First and foremost, it, he makes it look like the heading is the, the lesser of the two evils. So what is he referring to? He's basically saying jihad is an evil. Isn't that the natural... If you think about it, he's saying the heading is the lesser of the two evils. And then it's talking about something that you may dislike. You may dislike fighting, but Allah has ordained it upon you. And that's the other translation issue. Because where it says fighting has been ordained upon you, he mistranslated that as fighting is allowed. That's totally different. <laughs> to say fighting is allowed is totally different to saying fighting is ordained on you. And you, you can give... You know, to be honest, right? You know, uh, you know the command of uh, fasting in Ramadan, it was uh, uh, fasting has been ordained. Kutiba. Kutiba, yeah. yeah kutiba. It's been uh, enjoined on you. you. You have to do it. Yeah. The same way the uh, command of fighting came. It was commanded. You don't say, oh, I'll fast. It's been enjoyed. Allowed I'm fast. allowed to fast. And you know what would be, be odd is, you know where Kutiba, yeah. if you went and found the uh, the section of the fasting, yeah. would it say that fasting has been made allowed for you or would it be fasting is ordained for you? Even in, even in his own. Exactly. And these are just some areas, yeah? And look, we're not scholars. No, no. So if someone wants to come along and refute and say, no, this is what it means and this is why, go and look at the, the traditional 
interpretations, sorry, the translations of all of those things. Look at them and compare them. It's very, very clear. And then, okay, put the translation aside and then compare it to some of these other things. You know, the reason why the visit to Jerusalem is, is linked to this and the reason why some of the activities that are being done by Karimia is linked to this is to do with interfaith dialogue. Yes. Interfaith dialogue. So you, if you don't know about that background, you look at the translation and you go, ah, oh, maybe that's just a slip, it's a mistake, but actually you look at, ah, so the two things fit together really conveniently. It's like, okay, I need to promote interfaith, I need to promote that other religions are okay, therefore I will do an interpretation or a translation of the Quran that takes those very verses that he's seeing as problematic in the other translation and retranslate them so interfaith all of a sudden becomes completely mm. permissible and this is not to say we can't speak we don't speak to people of other religions but interfaith today is not that the interfaith movement we see today is more about bringing other religions on the same level as Islam. It's not about going actually, actually, talking to non-Muslims. Uh, um, degrading Islam to degrading go on to Islam. their levels. Exactly. Because you can't and, move them up. And you know how you can link this? You can link this full circle back to your sports people and things. You know when we look at the sports people, they're not politicians. Yeah, mm. they're not politicians. They're normal people in society. They've had celebrity status. They're not going to profess to be an expert in Islam. Yeah. However, these people and you like your bin bears of the world, they have been involved in politics for a long time. If you look at bin bears history, especially forget Hamza Yusuf and Dr. Musharraf for a second. Bin bears history is that he was involved in politics. So when he says something Islamic and you go, oh, maybe it's political naivety. No, you know politics, you know Islam, so you're in a field where you should be able to give correct guidance. Mm. Whereas the football player, you can almost say, look, maybe he does, okay, most people know about Putin, so you could argue that he should have known better, but you can still say that that boxer or that football player, okay, maybe he's not too aware politically, fine, give him the benefit of the doubt. These people, these people involved in these type of projects, they know the political situation, they know Islam, they have a level of responsibility, and if they can justify their actions, then let them come you forward. Know. We invite them to come on here and put their, their, their angle across. MashaAllah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. absolutely. You know, <laughs> you, well, you know I'd say that also. Yeah, is, if I'm wrong, I'm happy to be corrected. You know corrected. the mistakes they're making, I'll give you the example, right? You know when he says, other than submission and commitment, who is he to make that suggestion? Is he saying that commitment is going to be accepted? Because that's the word. To Allah, it will never be accepted. So if you choose any other deen but Islam, it will never be accepted. Yeah. But now he's saying submission and commitment. You could be submitted. You could be committed to Christianity. You yeah. could be committed but, to but Judaism. That's, yeah, but but that's the point, isn't it? But you know, you were talking about Bin Bayah. Did him and Yusuf, uh, Hamza Yusuf, they hosted Qadianis. Now on a Aqidah level, every Muslim is required, not like a scholar is required to know the finality of the Prophet He is the last messenger to be sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to know this. They said they were included them in their forum of peace. They said these are our brothers. Subhanallah. Okay. Forget about on a political level. This is how degraded yeah, these people are. This is are. where it gets to this level where yeah, you keep giving, you keep excuse, making excuses for your brother, and we should make excuses. But for you know, brother. I was going to well, you know, one thing I was going to say, right? You know, you mentioned very, about very the quickly, very quickly, because I know you guys are like raging bulls at the moment, trying to calm you down. You know what I'm saying, right? You know, the, the random point. It said, you know what? The last thing was 
religious, so it mentioned spiritual and scholars, but when it said scholars, the point it was making was to have that authority. So they're doing this good work. They were dealing with marriage. They were dealing all that, and that's how they get that's authority. That's how you get the authority. And you know, like the Prophet ﷺ said, to, uh, to, get, uh, to tell a thousand lies, the jinns tell one truth. You have to bring them in. You have to have that, uh, that suite, bring the people in to fool them. Because yes. this is a deception. Yes, yes, of course. And that's the whole point. And that's why they have this authority. They adorn these garb, as in their clothes. Yeah. And then they, they say all this kind of stuff. I'm not saying, you know, you shouldn't wear these clothes. But it's to get that legitimacy. And that's why they say scholars. And that's why they say, where have you studied? Where have you done that? We okay. have to know these things by definition. No, but that's the thing is, obviously, we know that... I don't want to go off the, off the yeah, topic, yeah, yeah. but we know that even... Um, some of the things that they say is that if you don't fit a certain appearance, yeah. who are to you to even speak about Islam? Yeah, yeah. Right? Anyway, Rash, before you go off, Moran, yeah? yeah, sorry. So, <laughs> what I want to do is obviously, we've given examples of, of people maybe who, are, who shouldn't be Islamic role models from a scholarly point of view. We're getting to the close to the end of the podcast. You know, what qualities, you know, do we have any examples today of scholars that we, we should aspire to? What are some of the, I mean, you, you guys already mentioned the qualities that scholars should have you know but are there scholars today that uh, are, are pushing the the ideas that are, are correct yeah, definitely the, the situation is is positive you know it's getting better you know the reason maybe just to kind of think the reason why we're agitated is you know when you read some of these translations is yeah. agitating Bro, you I, know, th- I think everyone's appreciated that you know, agitated no, you but if you think about it we don't speak arabic yeah. so where we get our quran from is from the translation, isn't it? Yeah. So all of a sudden, if those translations that are put in front of us and then are kind of spread around the whole, whole of your communities, that, that, that creates that Inshallah, creates we'll, we'll try to get Dr. Musharraf on here if you want Inshallah. to rush. Inshallah. Yeah. So in terms of good scholars, sad, firstly, the sad side of it is, especially in the Middle Eastern places, there are many good scholars that speak mm. the huck. But unfortunately, some of them are in, or many of them are in prisons. And that, that, that's one of the points is the in prisons. Yeah. Secondly, are the, are the scholars on the Haq, which are, there, are, there, are, there are millions, mm. would they be given airtime? No. Would they, they be on I know why. But this is why scholars in the Western world are so important. This is why we need, and this is it. It's not about, like, okay, it might have come across a little bit about we're bashing some of the scholars, but actually we're in desperate, desperate need of scholars today. Yes. And that's why they play a big role in the Western world is because at least they, there they can get their voices heard. There they can get their voices heard. So even recently there's like Sheikh Azra Rashid, we've been hearing quite a lot from him because whilst he has, you know, he's got like a Brailvi background, but he is bringing things and ideas to the table that Muslims need to speak about. He's come on the scene and he's shaken up the scene and Alhamdulillah, people are talking about the right things. So there are scholars that are speaking about the correct things. There are scholars that are exposing. So when this, you know, even there... I won't go into too much more names, but when, even when Sheikh Hamza Yusuf said some of these things, there were other scholars that came out and refuted him. So mm. Alhamdulillah, that's yes. good. Yes. We need that. There were several of them. So I think this is really important. And the two examples to give quickly is that the Prophet ﷺ, what did he do? He prayed for one of the two Umrs to become Muslim. And how this is linked is that those people, it's important to have people of influence in society in order to instigate change. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important. So he recognized that we needed 
we needed someone who could come onto the into the Islamic fold who was an influencer in society. So that's why scholars are really, really important. And the second example we can talk about another time is the example of Musab ibn Umar. Again, utilizing someone who had eloquent speech and the haq and then seeing the work that he did in Medina in order to get Islam okay, to progress but, but, but to the before, level Before uh, Ishi, I'm going to have to cut you off there. Um, what I would say is that I've had a signal from our uh, cameraman that we have to sort of wrap up because I think of technical issues. Okay. So let's let's have a, a bit of a summary, some points to take, take away. The topic was about role models. You know, uh, we spoke about uh, what Islamic role models should be. We also actually spoke about the scholars, and the important thing is, is that there there should be like a call to action. It's not just the responsibility of the scholars. If we are on a level where you know we don't try to elevate ourselves. Right, then the scholars are going to stay at the same level as well, and, and you know what I say. So there's a, our accountability to them should be there, mm. you know, and our reminders should be there. If we remind them, if we account them, this will, inshallah, ta'ala be beneficial for us and also be beneficial for them. But if you have a, a quick roundtable type of uh, summary, I think the first thing is to increase your own knowledge and find out what the, you know, like for example, what a good scholar is. What does Islam ask us? So when we, when that time does come, we can account them. Uh, I was going to give a few examples on that, but I guess we're short on time. Yeah, we're short on time. Uh, but what about role models? We spoke about scholars. Yeah. Scholars are not the only role models. No, we, they are a very, very. They are like a, a major part I, of I, role I, models. I was listening to a talk the other day, and it was about Imran Khan, and he uses he speaks about a lot about Islam. And you know, this scholar got very, very agitated, and he, because the comparison was made about people like Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala an. And he said, this is a man who I don't want my name to be mentioned because he's at such a high level. He never did a U-turn, even when times got difficult. But he had that knowledge to make that correction. You do not mention. And that's what we learn about these heroes. You look at the Sahaba. First, you start with the Prophet Then you see the people that surrounded him. Yeah. Every Sahaba you look at, let me tell you, you might not be the strongest, but you could be, you could be the wisest. You could be the strongest, use that strength for, for, for good. Okay. Everyone has their own characteristics and the Sahaba have them. Okay, so, okay. Just like our scholars, sorry, getting <laughs> okay. emotional. Like. And then you get emotional, that's what I'm trying to try, 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 My, my point is quite press, simple press and press short. Press the My point is quite simple and short. We're not going to change the fact that Muslims yeah. are going to aspire to the likes of Muhammad Salah and Paul Pogba. Yeah. We're not going to change this because yeah. the basis for change has to be society. And society until the... No, but even if they, not, look, if they look, let's make it clear, if they're looking up to them as footballers, there's no problem. No yes. problem, no, no. What I'm saying is they're even looking up to them as Muslim role models. Yeah. When you can't change that yeah. without changing the dominant ideology. So that's not going to change. But what we can do yeah. is teach our children and our families and our friends about the Islam in terms of who our real role models of the past were. So that our children at least know about the Sahaba, at least know about those great scholars, know about the great scientists that Islam bred that... Okay were able to sh demonstrate to the world that under Islam it's not like this military state where people cannot progress in any field in fact under Islam every field progressed okay, so I think sure. this is what we need to pass on to Subhanallah, people Subhanallah the, the, the last points you guys have made are loaded in themselves yeah. on many many podcasts and obviously for our uh, listeners and, and for those viewing you know normally I give a bit of a speech at the end I'm not going to do that what I'm going to say is that shall take away the points that we've spoken about, you know, about role models are very important, you know, uh, especially for the new generation. You know, we should counter this uh, and not be, you know, we should, should be part of the solution, not part of the problem. I'd like to say Jazakallah for my uh, co-host, uh, co-host Rash and our guests as usual. 
but the ishti is on fire today you know and uh, you know i'm going to have to get some water and uh, extinguish the fire <laughs> uh, we're definitely going to get you back on inshallah yeah soon uh, because there's so much to speak about so jazakallah khair for you guys jazakallah khair for everyone listening and watching at home and inshallah ta'ala we'll see you on the next podcast assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh